listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, everyone? Welcome to our seventh episode of the House Hacking Mastermind series, where we interview local investors that have either closed or just closed on the first property and they're trying to decide whether they should um short-term rental dabble with airbnb medium-term rental even rent by the room or they actually just close on their property and they're in the middle of doing renovations and have questions or actually just maybe had had their first airbnb guests and we're just here to master mastermind and network uh, my name is Ben Einspar, the co-host of the House Hacking, the host of the House Hacking Masterminds podcast. Here with my two normal co-hosts, Chris Lopez. Chris, what's up, man? Uh, I'm enjoying this. You're Are the you? driver's chair now. You're the host. I'm the co-host. So this yeah. is great. So keep talking. Perfect. Well, Chris, <laughs> I got to tell you, I I follow Envision Advisors a lot, and I've seen a lot of cool things you've done in quarter one, whether it's the studio remodel um the portfolio analysis with chelsea scott and even all the more deal analysis that you're doing man that's that's awesome thank you man appreciate it all right co-host number two <laughs> jeff white what's Hello. up man? i'm doing great excited to be here as always yeah and, uh talking a little uh house hacking right on so yeah, you're I like you as the host you know you're doing a great job Thank you. Thank you for the kind <laughs> words. I appreciate that. So are you close to house act number five? Yeah. And like a month or two here. Holy cow. Have you yeah. started your search? Yeah. Yeah. Starting to look around and obviously the market's tougher right now. There's less inventory, mm -hmm. but uh, definitely find something. Perfect. Good. Yeah. All right. To introduce our, our guest, we have David and David just closed on his first townhouse townhouse in January of 2021 and currently live with a family and planning to nomad every year for this foreseeable future. What's up, David? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Awesome, glad to be on. So real quick, so for anyone that doesn't know what nomading is, can you please, can you help explain that to us? Yeah, so the whole premise of nomading is essentially you buy a property with the intention to live in it for at least a year. And the purpose of that is for cheaper down payment um, so you can save a little bit more for the next property right you can only put five percent down versus 20 percent for an investment um and that way you save up more capital and then once that year is up you look for your next place yeah. move on to the next one repeat the process right on right on do you have an idea of how many you'd like oh this is the <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> sky's the limit right now <laughs> perfect answer man perfect yeah. answer you might be able to compete with jeff white here in the future if, if you oh. want to go double digits and go big double digits yeah, yeah hopefully we'll see i threw in the flag on that one a long time <laughs> a little bit ago from going from transition uh from house hack number one to house hack number two i realized the it's a new ball game it's there's a lot of challenges yeah. which I'm sure you're well familiar with. Oh yeah. You just got to adjust your, uh, just adapt. This is being adaptive, yeah. you know, just as you, what the big challenge is, of course, the moving. like most people associate a negative connotation of moving. And if you, you know, downsize a lot, it makes, if it took you, let's say four hours to move all your stuff instead of how long it probably took you, you probably think like, Oh, it's, let's do this again in one year. So yeah. that's, uh, 
one way to like reassociate moving if you change your mindset there and tell allison how this will help your future new <laughs> little baby yes um, <laughs> yes it will uh provide you know pay, pretty much pay for all the college i would do an 18 year mortgage actually i was going to tell you that 18 year mortgage for your next place and pay it off and by the time they're in school or give going to college kid. give it to your kid so question why wouldn't you just do a 30-year mortgage and just plan and do the do the math in reverse and plan to have it done in 18 months because you're stuck to that 18 months and because we all know crap can hit the fan so if it does hit the fan you can go back and not have that those higher payments good answer i agree completely <laughs> <laughs> all right, right. Moving forward. Yeah. we our second guest today is ryan and like most of us he read rich dad poor dad after college just like me, I did. Mm. That was my first book. The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> that's, a be- that's the best way to put it. Um, after graduating with a large amount of student debt, decided to put your real estate empire on hold. Uh, five year- long years after paying off debt, moving to Colorado, got into bigger pockets. Finally, finding a job that allowed flexibility to pursue real estate investment. You bought your first house hack in November. Congrats, man. Yeah, thanks. Welcome. Thanks. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Right on. So do you mind me where where is the general location of your current house hack? And can you explain kind of why it's a house hack and what, what the layout? Is it a mother-in-law suite, maybe a walkout basement? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am on the, the east end of Arvada, 62nd and Sheridan area. Um, and yeah, I'm working with a four bedroom, three bath house hack. So I'm living upstairs. I have a tenant across the hall from me who has, or we both have our own bathrooms. Um, then I have a tenant downstairs with pretty much half of the basement to himself. Um, and he has his own bathroom down there as well. So that's the layout. Um, you may have guessed that I only said three tenant or three people right now. I do have my own office at the moment. Um, but we'll see. I'm kind of bouncing back and forth whether I'm going to rent it out or yeah. not because I definitely like the extra space. But so we'll see. We'll see at some point. But yeah, that's the current layout. Right on. So when we spoke about uh, a couple weeks ago, you mentioned you're doing rent by the room, correct? Mm-hmm. But your strategy when choosing tenants is just a little bit different than Jeff White's here because <laughs> for everyone that doesn't know, Jeff White is the master, the mastermind at written by the room, but you do it a little bit different. Do you mind explaining? Yeah. Explaining that? Yeah. Well, Jeff is definitely the house hacking guru for sure. Um, but I know when we, when him and I spoke, um, it was more so, yeah, obviously you get quality and tenants, whatnot. Um, but I was really focused on the, the, mora- the relationship and the morale of the, of the house. Um, so I definitely took my time finding tenants, um, for, you know, that was purposeful, but I also had, um, you know, some issues with, with advertising the space. Um, I think we may have talked about this on Chris's podcast, but yeah, I, um, I was getting kicked off Facebook marketplace with yeah. my property when it was posted, getting pulled off a of Craigslist because the previous owner of my house, um, I think was using my photos to spam people. So Never. really interesting, uh, yeah, scenario I was dealing with right off the bat. So, um, yeah, some chaos, chaos to start, but I figured it out. So yeah, and I also got a sneak peek of your deal analysis podcast, which will be 
I think Aaron, maybe in about a week or so. Is that right, Chris? It'll be before this podcast before, yes. right now <laughs> goes live. So keep keep the math that simple because our counter changed a lot. It'll be before you guys listen to this podcast. And one more simple. one more note. I, I need to go back and do a little uh, post-mortem on that podcast we did, Ryan, because after we record the podcast, you know, during we were doing some calculations and numbers. After the podcast, is, Ryan says, well, how can we pull up my spreadsheet? I was like, what spreadsheet? He's like the spreadsheet spreadsheet I emailed you. So that was on me and our new process for getting uh, content on there. So not to make you look ill-prepared, right? We were like, I had the numbers, but you pulled the spreadsheet. So that was on my fault. So everyone knows. Yeah, a little disclaimer. I was uh, pretty foggy on the numbers there for the deal analysis, but I think we eventually No, we got, got that. Right. I, just yeah. felt, I felt bad after. We were like, well, damn, you, you did the work you said in like I asked you to, then I didn't use it. So. But that's that's the benefit of, of recording, recording live and filming the numbers live though, right? Yeah. I mean, we still got the job done. Yeah, J- just about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so. we can uh, talk a little later. I know that um, like anyone on their first investment property or if it's their first or their fourth, run into challenges and which we can talk about later. But I know that you're you had a po- like an excellent positive attitude going mm. towards it and you're out yeah. on it. It's the only way to ha- it's the only way to look at it, I guess. Um, but yeah, we get into that, I guess, a little later. Right on. Right on. David. So um when you when we talked on the phone, you mentioned the first thing you mentioned that um, before you moved into your property, your nomad, um, is that you broke your lease to your current place, right? Yeah, yeah. Question, Jeff. Yeah. So let's let's take your <laughs> your mastermind out of this right. and just normal with no real estate investing experience. When you hear someone breaking a lease, what are your first thoughts? Holy crap. Holy crap, what else? <laughs> uh, basically, that they're serious, like they're ready to go, like they're ready to move. Um, because, you know, why else would you break your lease unless you're serious and ready to go? Because that means they're, they don't want to wait any longer and they found their next place to live and it's not worth them to stay at their current mm-hmm. place anymore. Yeah. And why I say that is I can definitely relate to it because from our first house hack we we end up breaking our lease but i know there's some additional charges isn't there right if you break your lease um because of the experience we had with our property management company we had everything documented so we essentially weren't responsible for any payments aside from the lease breakage right on yeah um so is your mortgage cheaper or more than what you're renting for our mortgage property taxes interest everything combined is cheaper than the rent nice, was really. and that was one of the main factors at least for me was just pure numbers we paid off the amount it took to break the lease in two months yeah sweet right so it the numbers was a big thing for me it was a little more emotional for my girlfriend to break the lease and go through all that stuff um but once chris brought up the idea and we started looking found our journey found our path and you know it's pretty much a done deal never looked back <laughs> And it comes down to too, like every lease is different for what you know what it costs to break break the lease fees. Sometimes it's one month's rent, uh, two months rent. Sometimes it's ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars. You have to look at that lease and then wait. Hey, what's the payback period on there? Now, I think David, you guys had I mean nine months left on your. I mean, you had a lengthy amount of time left on your lease, right? Yeah, we had just moved to Colorado, and yeah. it was like a couple months into the rent. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I mean, but that's what you look at. So, hey, you know, we could stick it out for nine months and save the about five grand or so, you know, in, in two months worth of rent. Or, hey, if we buy property now, because you guys closed in November, right? Uh, we moved in our new place in January. In January, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, now even the crazy last few months aside, I mean, that couple thousand dollars has been made up in appreciation, debt pay down, everything else. You have to look at not just the cost, the payback period, and just the opportunity cost of not having your foot in the game as well. Yes, it's crucial because where does your where does your rent go every time you pay rent? The landlord's like us. <laughs> the landlord's like us. It goes out the door. You don't see anything back. I, I can relate. I mean, when, when I first moved here, I was paying rent and it killed me. Every time I wrote a check, I didn't see anything in return. And I didn't care if even my mortgage was a little bit higher in rent. I still wanted that. Um, David, was uh, was your first initial like thought for investment, was it to Nomad or was it something different? I actually wasn't even familiar with nomading at all really? initially. Um, so when I first got into, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad was my first book too, <laughs> like everyone else. Um, got into bigger pockets, um, started learning. And initially, you know, I was only constrained by my own thoughts and my own perception of what real estate investing was at the time. So I looked at the capital that I had to put down on a place. And with that, for some reason, I was focused on duplexes. You know, I love the idea of a duplex living in one side, renting out the other, or just renting out both, you know, for maximizing the profit on a property. So with the amount of capital that I had as a down payment, I was primarily focused on out-of-state investing. Okay. And there's pros and cons to out-of-state. Um, you know, the con, obviously, you can't have eyes on the property the whole time. It's a little bit more of a hassle. Um, but that was the only thing I thought that I could do um, at the time. And then I had a meeting with Chris. Um, I found a real estate agent through the Bigger Pockets Network um, that was focused on primarily investors and investment properties. And she hooked me up with Chris. And within like the first 10 minutes, of our meeting, Chris was like, um, why don't you guys just break your lease and buy a place for yourselves? It makes a lot more sense than renting and owning an investment yeah. property. And, you know, at that moment, like the light bulb went off and I was like, Chris, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was literally never something or something I'd never even considered. Um, so from that point forward, we are looking for places for ourselves. Um, and Chris sent us a couple books and, you know, the great thing that I found from his book was one of the great things was the profitability scale. I'm pretty sure it's from your book. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a profit. I don't think scale. that one is. No, but talk about it. Yeah, yeah I just you can claim it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you credit. Uh, <laughs> but there's a profitability scale where basically you have profit on one end and comfort on the other. So when you're house hacking, you're more towards the profitable side. But when you're nomading, you're more towards the comfortable side. Um, so it's a spectrum. There's a balance there. And if you have a wife or a girlfriend or kids, um, it's something that you have to consider is the comfort over the profit. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I was all about the profit. <laughs> I wanted to rent out yeah. every room, you know, I confine myself to a small space, give everyone else the, the square footage of the home. Um, but for my girlfriend, that was not going to work. And we have a dog too. So it's just a balance. So, Initially, we were looking at mother-in-law suites with walkout basements, somewhere where we could separate the levels, um, where whoever was renting the home would have their own space, their own um, place that we wouldn't have to interact with them that much. Um, and then just out of nowhere, our agent found a townhome that was brand new, 
the payments on it were pretty low. I ran the numbers on some of the spreadsheets that I had. The numbers just looked really good. Um, but we weren't, we wouldn't be house hacking at that point. So we went from out of state investing to house hacking to now just owning a place and living in it. Um, and that's when I discovered nomading and that you can, you know, save money by only putting 5% down, put that towards the next place in a year. So it was a lot of different direction changes in our journey. And this was all in like, I think it was about two months. <laughs> um, so it happened pretty quickly. But we found that townhome. We loved it. It was a new property, so we didn't have to put any work in. It was it was below the price that we wanted to pay for a home initially. Um, and when we looked at you know our mortgage options, we were able to leverage the VA loan. So we leveraged it with 0% down, 2.25% interest rate, fixed, um, and zero down You know was a no-brainer for us because that just meant all the money that we were saving wow. for the initial down payment could just be used on our second one. So it was a springboard essentially um, for a nomad journey. So now we moved in January um, and it's great. Like the numbers look really well in terms of rentals for when we move out. It's right near the airport. Um, like there's a lot of potential there. The rentals are going. If we want to talk a little bit of numbers, um, I think it was around like 2,700 because it's a four bedroom place. So we have a lot of bedrooms that we don't so use. So it's a four, three? It's a four three, yeah. Okay. Yeah, four three. HOA? There is an HOA. Okay. The HOA is like one eighty five a month, I think. Um, so it's lower than some of the other HOAs that we were looking at. It's technically part of Denver County, so the taxes are a little bit higher. Um, but like our overall payment's about two thousand dollars a month. And for the rental we were paying twenty five hundred. Wow. For wow. a three bedroom home that we weren't using the whole space either. So that's all. Awesome. So, where, where, what's the general location of your of your property right now? It's about like fifteen minutes southwest of the airport. So, like okay, right near perfect. Green Valley Ranch area. That's a great. Um, area. Like a lot of new construction, a lot of new restaurants, a lot of new buildings. Um, so, there's a lot of potential in the area, and then just the rental prices looked amazing. And it's a new property, so we don't really have to worry about maintenance. The whole exterior of the home, because it's a townhome, maintenance-free. So there's just a lot of pros that went into this the, one. The, <laughs> the new-built townhome is definitely a plus. You don't have to worry about maintenance, yard work. Yeah, because you mean, just bought one yourself, right? I, I did. We just bought a, a townhome a uh, couple months ago, and... It is it is nice seeing when everyone's going to Home Depot to buy mulch, to buy rock, <laughs> landscaping, and doing and and shelling out a lot of money to keep their property looking nice. And we don't have to do that. But then again, times change, your your life changes. And one thing that I picked apart what you were that you said that I loved, which anyone listening to this, go back, I'd say ten minutes and listen to your profitability versus your comfort. Because we're all, everyone in this room are doing the same thing, but just a little bit different. I think Jeff is definitely the the guy who... Profitability on the way. <laughs> <laughs> that whole spectrum over there, yes. Did get sacrificed to comfort. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely going going to pay off. Um, versus me, we're, we're, we specialize in medium-term rentals and Airbnb, but we go... We sacrifice a little bit of that monthly income for the peace of mind and the space because we're working on starting a family. So if you want an, like an analogy, we're all 
athletes here, but we're all specialized <laughs> different ways. We have like a basketball player, a, uh, a baseball player, <laughs> football, whatever it may be, but we're all doing the same thing, which takes different skills, right? And even Chris, you're you're doing a small form of house hacking as well to fit your life as well, right? Yeah, I am. I mean, I uh, not not nomading, not doing traditional house hacking, but my wife and I we have uh, two daughters. Almost they'll be two and four this summer, and when we moved or bought our new house or the current house we're living out here. Uh, my wife's mother was on a point where she wanted to move out to Denver to be close to us, especially the grandkids. And it made the most sense for actually come live with us. And we converted the basement to a full mother-in-law suite. So rather than her buying her own home, uh, she put money towards the remodel, some other home costs. So it was actually cheaper for her and a great win for us. You know, we have an extra family member around right now, help out with, with kids, home cooked meals, and just having more family around. And it's great for her because she was able to, you know, put less money out to buy a house. She's close to family. And so it's just a great win-win. And it's all about blending the market, your strategy, and with what you can do from a capital standpoint and find that sweet spot. Because what everyone is doing here at the table is great for them, but it's not gonna be right for the person across the table uh, from him. Exactly, and everyone just needs to think of what fits your personal goals, what you want for the future, and what type of real estate portfolio you want. David, for the VA loan, um, I do not know exactly if you could use it like twice or three times, or is it a one-time thing? I know with people, for most people in the military, they get transferred a lot with their job. Like in the military, you get transferred a lot and you can like buy a house in Alabama. Then you get transferred to Hawaii, like buy a house there. And then you can use the VA loan. But if you're stay here, um, can you reuse it again when you hit that one year mark? Or do you have to go to normal financing? The normal people financing. The normal people. <laughs> the higher interest rates. <laughs> yeah. um, from my understanding, you can only have one at a time. So you can use it as many times as you want, as long as you only have one. So if you were to do, let's say, like a cash out refi and get a whole new loan and pay off the VA loan, you could use it for your next place. But as long as you still have that VA loan, you can't reuse it. So if we were to keep this place without refinancing, um, we would have to just do a conventional 5% down for our next place. But the requirement is you have to live in it for one year. It has to be a primary residence. Um, as far as I know, you can't use it for an investment property. Nice. Yeah, definitely. So. Anyone out there that's in the military, it's a fantastic <laughs> product if they're not using it. Yes, absolutely. 2.25. I mean, that's, <laughs> I only know that's the lowest I've heard. I don't know about you, Chris. Have you heard a lower rate than that? <laughs> no, that, that's about the lowest. I mean, right around two and a quarter, two and three. So we saw a few of those last year when interest rates were, I mean, you hit, you know, right timing for interest rate standpoint with the VA loan as well. And I can tell you, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of small print with the VA loans out there. So always talk to a lender about it. When it comes time to refinancing, there's different refi options. Um, you know, the rules do change. So make sure you do talk to a lender and don't just rely on Google or what we're saying here for, <laughs> for VA loans. We need because a disclaimer. Well, I've learned, I've learned three different clients this past year. I've learned three different things about the VA loans. So it's always, yeah, I've learned a lot this last year, but every time we do a VA loan, a lot of times there's something slightly different as the person moving from one property to next property. So it's definitely an intricate product out there that is phenomenal for buying properties, but make sure you know what you're doing and make sure you have a lender that knows what he or she is doing as well, help you play that chess game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
using your using your resources and reaching out to people who are familiar with it. Um, so I I don't I don't want to do too much of a well yes it's already been recording but or it would have already the deal analysis for you Ryan but so I know you had some issues in one of your properties with some plumbing is that correct mm-hmm. in a bathroom do you want to explain yeah yeah so i i had three main problems when i when i moved in um i already mentioned uh you know the advertising of the of the open rooms was was a struggle um and then i was also dealing with radon issues um, when i moved in that i was kind of that the the previous owner was on the hook to pay for um but then they kept sending in their own contractors which we never really trusted what they were saying um so i did end up getting my own contractor to deal with that radon issue and then billing back the owner was wasn't easy um and then yeah about a month after that we had just a big flood in the in the basement bathroom um yeah and we had to pull out pull out the tile pull out the drywall pull out carpet it was it was essentially down to the studs um at one point and i had i had a tenant that moved in about a month before that so i had to really quickly learn how to manage those expectations um so i ended up keeping the room upstairs empty because that was a bathroom that wasn't being used so he was just having to go upstairs and and use that bathroom then i helped him out with with rent payments as well so um yeah it was tough at one point I think there was one day I had 20 different contractors coming in, in and out of the place. I'm um, just getting a bunch of different quotes on, on the work um, because, you know, I thought it was always a good idea to keep fact, having these guys fact check themselves, you know. So um, I ended up uh, leaning on my broker for the the plumber who ended up doing the work. So and I found that through uh, Chris Lopez's team. So shout yeah, out to Lauren. Working. Yeah. Networking, no networking, networking reaching out. Hey, I can't preach that enough. Um, so you, you reached out. How, how many quotes did you say? That's what I want to focus on is, is you, you said you mentioned you had about three, three quotes for repair work, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe even more. I think four was the final number. Um, I had a few plumbers that just wouldn't even take the job because it was so, they just would scratch in their head over it and no idea how to, how to figure it out. So, um, yeah, I think, I think in the end I had, I had three or four different quotes, um, wide, wide ranging for sure. Um, you know, thankfully, I, it was covered under insurance. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had very little. I think I ended up breaking even completely. So, what was the initial terrible. issue? Was it avoidable? Um, yeah. So it was the the previous contractor who did the work. So yeah. <laughs> so I moved into fix and flip, um, and they converted the the basement bathroom from a tub to a shower. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you need to switch the the draining system, I believe. Um, and they just didn't do that. So it burst pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I was pursuing some other legal options, I guess, at one point to see if there was re- any recourse in the previous owner. Um, and I guess there's really, I, you know, I ended up letting that die. But uh, yeah, it was definitely the, the previous contractor. So well, <laughs> well, so I guess that now kind of sidestepping is, is you mentioned exactly what 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 happened in that property with converting a tub to a bath that is exactly the problem i ran into when i i got my first house hack and i was remodeling the mother-in-law suite i was doing all of the stuff myself because 
of course I'm stubborn. I want to do it. <laughs> I, I want to do it myself and learn. Um, we are converting a tub into a shower, and I was um, looking at it, and I didn't see a P trap in it. Added yep. a P trap. Actually added two P traps. Everything's all done. <laughs> oh, uh, I have. We are having our friends come and stay, giving like a soft open for our Airbnb. I was like, oh flip on the water flip on the water and it doesn't drain and like that was my oh crap moment yeah but we ended up that's when i finally ended up hiring it out and get someone to go actually <laughs> up from the ceiling and it took me about nine months to uh, to patch that hole Ooh. um yeah plumbing is plumbing is uh not something you want to mess around with that's yeah. for sure so so i'm curious you had let's say three to four quotes for this job did you pick the high end, the very low end, the middle end? Um, it definitely, so I knew insurance was covering it. So it was more so, so I ended up, I think I'd pick the most expensive person yeah. for sure. Um, but definitely the, the most trustworthy one that I, I identified as, as uh, possibly being able to do the job themselves. Um, and, and again, it, I had references for his previous work, so that was definitely important for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, went with the high end. You, you treated you, myself. You definitely get what you pay for. I can, I can tell you that I've chosen, well, I've experienced in the commercial and residential area, and I've even given out quotes. I know that you don't want to always go with the lowest quote because you get you doesn't matter what it is, you get what you pay for. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Like low end, You've, the middle, the middle is usually middle, middle to high is usually what you want to go, because if you go too low, there's a reason it's low. It's probably because they don't aren't licensed, aren't insured, or you know that's and that's usually because of the license and insurance it gives you more reassurance, reassurance for yourself that they'll do a good job because they don't they have accountability. But when you find those uninsured people, they'll, they'll definitely be lower. But it's just more of the risk. So to me, yeah, every time I've gone low end, it's definitely the quality. It's like you get to choose between quality, price, and um, speed, and you can't get all three. You get two out of three, and that's just the two out of three is which is the the two out of three that you want the most, and then go from there. Because some people want speed, but we'll um, speed and price, but we'll get back quality. Some people, yeah, don't care. You know, they just want it repaired. Um, like if you didn't have insurance that covered it. He'd probably go more in the middle or to low end, mm-hmm. you know, just to get it patched up so that tenant can move back down there. Um, so yeah, that's what my experience is. Yeah, I had a similar decision making process too with the materials as well. Um, you know, I was looking at some some low end, the cheapest cheapest tile and um, all that stuff, and cheapest hardware, and it just you sacrifice what it what it looks like, right? So I ended up going right in the middle of the pack. I mean, I didn't. Um, I didn't do granite. Granite was tempting the whole time because again, insurance was taking care of it. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I I understand there's a decent amount of maintenance that comes along with granite, so I ended up going to the middle of the pack, like porcelain uh, tile work. So really happy with how it came out. And then how did uh, this is also you, the expectations of your tenant because they had to now go upstairs to use the bathroom and they had to avoid that area and they had like construction zone when they were living down there. Right. How did you manage those expectations? Yeah. Um, so the bathroom was actually in his room too. So (laughs) at one point we had plastic laid down from the top of the basement all the way through the basement, through his room for probably 
two months. So it was it was definitely tricky for sure. Um, but he was sympathetic, really, because it's nothing that um, you know I did. It wasn't any neglect at, at all. It didn't show up on the inspection. Um, so he was he was definitely cool with it. Um, I had a good relationship with him right from the beginning. Um, and anytime there was an issue, it, was, it it came down to communication. You know, just letting him know certain timelines. Um, when the final timeline came out, I just told him, I was like, I'm, I'm going to give you a free month, you know, we'll, we'll take care of this. Um, so, and you know, I kept telling him if you're ever unhappy, just, just let me know, let me know. So it was a good, it was a good rapport. Um, and he's happy cause I mean, he has a brand new, brand new bathroom right now and it's, it really, it really looks nice. So, um, he actually just finished his six months with me and, and just he's staying on too so we're talking about maybe adding another six months so it's pretty good uh it, it was tough but um it definitely made us closer i guess um and he i think he's very happy with how i handled it too so nice and i guess with that being a fix and flip and a handyman special type of work what would you do what i guess i guess you can't really go back in time but going forward how will you approach um, future inspections, future bathrooms, plumbing, electrical stuff? How will you look at things now? It's a good question. Buy <laughs> a new build. Yeah, buy a brand new, brand new townhouse like like these guys over here, I guess. Um, but it's it, it was hard because it's nothing you could really inspect for because it's it's plumbing behind the drywall, you know. So um, I mean, we had a thorough inspection. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe vet the previous owner a little bit more. Um, I don't know. What would you guys think? What's I mean, <laughs> there's no way to really vet the previous owner. I mean, there, yeah. there's no way to do it. I mean, you get the seller's property disclosure, and that, you know, a lot of times has not much not much information it, in there. It was completely blank. Yeah. <laughs> yep, which is pretty common, especially for, for flips. Um, yeah, the inspection, the homeowners, can't do much beyond what you did. You just got, I mean, it's a matter of when, not if. And yours just came on round one. Yep. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of tap into the mindset stuff. Um, yeah, it was definitely a it was definitely a tough start, but now I have experience with project management, um, vetting contractors. I have a network of contractors. Um, I've dealt with insurance companies, and how, you know I understand how the claims work. Um, so. You know, you could just sit and complain about it, um, but I always viewed it as a as a learning experience because exactly what Chris said, it's not a matter of of if, but when. Um, it happened right off the bat, and and I'm that much more seasoned, I guess, um, going into my next next uh, you know house hack here. So, I I love that I love that mindset of completely taking ownership of what you've bought and what you've gotten yourself into instead of playing the victim card of mm -hmm. why has this happened to me? I knew I shouldn't have done this, but completely taking ownership and not only ownership of the situation and coming up with the solution, but working with your tenants and doing the due diligence on the front end of when you're vetting your tenants. Cause you already know you want yep. people that you don't mind seeing during the day. You don't mind having um, a barbecue on the weekend with some beer and then you work with them. And like we said, shoot a couple of podcasts ago, which I always remember, uh, Jeff, is you said it's a people business. It doesn't matter what it is. 
the business where it's a people business on your relationships that you develop. Yeah, no, especially room by room more so because yeah. you're living with these people and the better you're at a screening, the better, especially um, while you're living there more so because if they're comfortable living with you, they'll live through a flood. Mm-hmm. They'll be comfortable going upstairs to use the bathroom every single day. Like they're, that's totally fine for them because they like living there. If it was someone you just put in there, just like, oh, I just want to fill it. I just want to get the rent as soon as possible. They might have been upset and like try to break their lease early. So because you spent that extra time made all the difference. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm curious about the insurance piece. Was that just standard homeowners insurance that covered your problem? Or like for those of you with multiple properties, like do you have umbrella insurance? How's that work? How did that work in your Yeah, case? yeah, no, it was um it was standard homeowners insurance. Um it was a flood and the water damage, so all of the all of that was covered. The remediation and and all the work. Um yeah, so standard homeowners. Do you recommend umbrella Jeff for those who do rent by room? Well, umbrella won't help uh like replace property, fix things up. Umbrella is more for liability. Mm. So that way if um you know his tenant slipped on the water in there and fell down and had a bad injury and and you know sued ryan or happened like something bad umbrellas will cover up like you have your 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 homeowners insurance property it's usually like three hundred five hundred thousand dollars per home per property but if your lawsuit's above five hundred thousand dollars the claims above that that's where the umbrella comes in and, and can potentially help out so is it just for the liability piece from my understanding yeah okay i mean and i always think that's a great thing to consider and also talk with uh, you know insurance agent about it um, but umbrellas are they're usually pretty expensive you know two or three hundred bucks a year but they just provide one more layer of security yeah it's always i'm gonna kind of go on the dave ramsey side of things it's always you use your savings to pay for the little the little the little re- repairs you have to do but for the oh th- oh crap things that come up where they're not just going to sue you for fifty thousand dollars it could be a hundred half million dollars that's where you want to be sure and always be conservative and save and and protect yourself and quick disclaimer i'm i'm not an insurance <laughs> specialist but um the great thing is is when you move out of your current living your property you're living in, you change the insurance to um, a rental dwelling insurance. So now you're not covering your property inside of the the property inside of the house. You're just covering the dwelling and then you have the renters, which I recommend everyone having the renters have renters insurance and that cover that covers them. So then after you do go from, um, or you change your insurance, your typical insurance rate should go down a little bit. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too, because every time I've moved out and switched it to investment property, it's actually gone down, which yes. I not th- find that really interesting. And then, yes, to answer your question, uh, umbrella insurance is something to definitely look into. I would say maybe depends on, again, what you're comfortable with. I would talk to your insurance agent, but the policies, like Chris was saying, a couple hundred, 400 bucks a year um, for like a million dollar extra i'm um, so sorry it seems worth it you, you know, like <laughs> just to have that extra reassurance you can sleep yeah. if you if you like that'll help you sleep better at night like if someone is you know we live in a very um society where people sue each other over nothing um and if someone's walking your property like someone doesn't shovel and then they slip and break their arm and they like just want to sue you um your insurance your normal insurance will just cover up to a certain point and then the umbrella kicks in so definitely for how cheap it is, I you know, if after you move out of yours, definitely look into it when you have renters. 
So, Jeff, you're on number four. Yeah. Rapidly approaching number five. Do you use the same insurance or do you try to shop around for the best rates or just keep it simple and say, I'm using ABC insurance for, I have it for one, two, three, four, and so on and so forth. So it's all under kind of one package. Or do you try to shop around and go with a, have have multiple. I'm like Chris. I keep it simple. Just uh, stay with one place and have one insurance agent that handles all the policies. And then, um, you know, I'm I'm not one. Like, could I get maybe save 100 bucks a year, 200 bucks a year if I kept shopping every single year? Sure, but to me, it's not worth the <clears throat> the hassle and time to like resubmit that information to every single insurance agent or insurance broker. I'll, and my the insurance agent I do use um, is fantastic and really understands house hacking um and also just very to me customer service is really important so that if the person is very responsive gets back to you um like for example if i just have a question i can call him up right now and if he's gonna get back to me he'll text me and say okay i'm in a meeting i'll get back to you or something like that's i appreciate that the customer service aspect more so than if i saved a 100 bucks a year from some other agent yeah um, sounds so. a lot like the profit versus comfort yeah <laughs> <Same thing. laughs> ties into everything yeah yeah no I, I i like that one more thing about the insurance side there is if you do have like you know different policies different companies for different companies you gotta be really careful about coverage gaps because you know every policy they, they have a very high level hey we cover this this and this but when it comes to nuances like they can be different on there so that is, you know, it's one thing to keep in mind if you have do different companies. Because sometimes, hey, one insurance company is going to be way cheaper to insure condos. Then we'll have a better policy for single-family homes. We'll have a better policy for multifamilies. If you want all three, you could say, I want different, you know, agent one, two, three for the different property types. But you have to make sure your insurance coverage works together. So I like keeping the same agent for everything because it keeps it simple. And I'm just, and I will be flat out over an email saying, hey, Here's all the snares. Everything's covered. Yes, they are. And that one person, in my mind, takes responsibility. And if something's not go right, it's going to be that person's E&O insurance or whatever insurance they have or their professional, you know, uh, professional, uh, professional status on the line. Hey, you said this was covered. It's not. What's the deal? So watch out for insurance coverage gaps. Mm-hmm. And one thing I like that I, Jeff, you said was. It does like that you wanted someone that knows what you're doing, uh, which is house hacking. And that, that, that same principle applies to whether it's an insurance, your accounting, someone doing your taxes at the end of the year. Cause the more properties you get, taxes get more and more, not complicated, but more in depth. And then same with even going down to the basics of your, of looking for a uh, agent and even a lender that they're all familiar with what you're doing. So you don't have to try to inform them or they, they nothing's missed. Yeah. You shouldn't have to teach someone the strategy you're doing or have to explain to them. They should already know. And it'll make like your life a lot easier. Like for example, lender, insurance agents, real estate agents, um, all, all the parties that are involved in the transaction, you want to make sure they're all on the same page because if you have to explain to your lender, like, Oh, uh, can I count this rental income if I'm renting a room? Um, when you go to buy your next one, it's going to be a whole hassle, but if they understand it and they dealt with other custom clients of theirs that have done it, um, it'll be really simple. He's like, give me the leases, show me the rental income on your taxes and we'll count it for you. So simple as that. And all your team members, as long as they're on the same page as you, it will save you time and hassle and make you 
a much better investor because that's what we're all here for. Well, well said, Jeff. So <laughs> we have about 10 minutes left before I, I have a couple more questions I want to cover before I do that. Is there anything else you guys, anything you want to bring up any questions for Chris, Jeff, or myself about your current situation or moving forward on uh, what you're planning on doing with your, um, your career investing? Oh man. Um, I think what Jeff was just talking about is hugely important. If you're just starting out to find people that are investor friendly and who are focused on investment properties, if that's what you're trying to do, I wouldn't have found, you know, our nomad house right now, if it wasn't for the real estate agent that we had, she knew what we wanted. She was familiar with investment properties. She was familiar with the numbers and we weren't even considering townhomes. And she brought that to us and it just happened to be perfect. So finding those people that understand you and understand your position are critical, mm -hmm. absolutely critical. Are you going to use that same agent for number two? I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't see why we would switch to someone else. Yeah, she knows what we want. We're looking for the exact same thing, most likely. As of right now, things could change. Um, but yeah, it would probably be the same deal. Yeah, I'm guessing you built a pretty strong relationship with that agent during the process right and they've got an idea of what your goals and your expectations are for not just this one but looking at the big picture on what you what you really want to do in the future and where what your goals are absolutely yeah, yeah. well said yeah can i piggyback on that and say if you're looking to expand your network in real estate investing look no further than chris lopez and the envision team um i did a podcast what three weeks ago and the first thing i walked away is i didn't i didn't give them enough shine um they really have been awesome um you know from from at, at, you know just individual deal analysis getting your first property um chelsea scott portfolio analysis i had a meeting with her that was incredibly impactful and really helped um, give me a nice roadmap for properties, you know, one through 10, 20, who knows, but um, <laughs> you know, that was awesome. And then uh, Jeff White here, you know, I was late. <laughs> He's doing a little dance. You can't see in the studio, but um, I leaned on him a bunch throughout, um, you know, my, my troubles, I guess, to start. So, so you're in good hands if you're, if you're considering getting into this space. Well said. <laughs> and I did not get paid to say that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one last thing I want to go around the table. So uh, Jeff and I, have are, we're on number two, but I'm sure you guys are already planning for the future on going from one to two. And you're, you've decreased your monthly fixed expenses by either buying investment property or, or renting out your investment property uh, to help decrease your expenses. You're saving money every month. Are you just putting that into a savings account and just letting it ride and playing the conservative route? Or are you gonna, or do you maybe dabble in some stock market? Bitcoin. No. <laughs> that's what i wrote down on my sheet as well um i mean i think it all depends on how how soon you need the money you know if you're if you're three less than three months away from having to put down a down payment you know savings account might be the best best route for you but um you know six months away i <laughs> i'm a big cryptocurrency guy so yeah bitcoin and ethereum that's where that's where my money's at all right so 
What about you? David? I would say it depends more on your understanding. Um, if you're just throwing money at the stock market, it doesn't mean it's going to be profitable. Um, crypto could tank to zero. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone could crack crypto next week. Who knows? Um, so it really depends on your comfortability um, and what you're knowledgeable about. Um, like interest rates are zero right now. So high interest savings account aren't really a thing. So I would recommend the market, but it depends on where the market's at. If it's a downtrending market and you're looking six months out, probably not the best move. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree. And I'll say, you know, something to keep in mind here with, you know, you're putting money aside is, you know, we've had a great bull market the last, what, 10, 12 years now, pretty much in every, every asset class, everyone's like a brilliant investor. I mean, stuff does go down, stuff does go sideways and people a lot of times forget about that. Oh, it's going up and up and up. And it does until it doesn't anymore. And you have to really be prepared. <laughs> hey, if it does drop, you know, look at your allocation. Like, I don't know, you know, if you're hundred percent in stock market, you know, 100% stocks, 0% bonds, the worst year is I think 35 or 40% in a downturn. So that's the potential could do it again. Do I think it'll happen this week? No, but it may. If that happens, was that due to your plans? Mm-hmm. So always have that, uh, you know, playing devil's advocate with yourself is very, very important. Absolutely. Well said. What do you, what, what do you, <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? I'm old man style. I do uh, S&P 500 index funds. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I do, also like Chris, I think Chris does this too, Ally Savings Bank. Oh, yeah. What are we at? Point five. Yeah. yeah. The high so, interest savings account. Yeah. So it's just a good way because I'm not like, do I want to do Bitcoin like Ryan over here? Absolutely. But it scares me to death. If you ask me, you know, uh, when I was 17 years old, I'd be like, okay, I'm all in. I'll I'll throw out my $1,000 life savings right here. I'll go all in. (laughs) But but now it's just like I'm more of the conservative type where Mm -hmm. I get because of the strategy I employ with rent by room and um, house hacking. I already get great return on investments from all that. Um, so I don't, I guess that type of risk is different for me than uh, just doing index fund investing because it's more, you know, easier. You know, I don't, I don't have time to just deal with uh, researching all the- It's a passive things. investment. Yeah, because your time, you put yeah. value to your time, right? right? That's yeah. a thing you can't get back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But for all the Bitcoin investors out there, you know, I hope everyone keep, it keeps going up and skyrocketing and doesn't drop by 50% tomorrow. So yeah, it's been a nice run. Yeah. Oh yeah. What about you, Ben? What's your strategy? Um, I'm a very con- conservative investor. I know that that real estate is a very friendly investment if you look at it on the long term. And that's the game that I'm playing is an extremely long-term perspective because if I know I could... I, I could I could gamble, not gamble, but do my due diligence and go in the stock market, and I might make an additional seven to nine percent, or I could just have the peace of mind and put it into a savings account to where I know what it's going to be and when it's ready, then deploy it into my next house hack to where I know that let's say twenty thousand dollars that I put for a down payment, repairs, furnishing, if it's an Airbnb, is going to well outperform if I just kept it in the stock market. I know that if I take ownership of my money and I put it into real estate, real estate, which I can control what on what I do with it, you can't, I can't control the market, mm-hmm. but I can control what my property and how my property performs. I'll take that all day. So I, I, I just put it strictly in the savings account and I put my mind to something else and I just don't do it. I guess I'm a little more 
old school. I could be missing out money, but it is what it is. Just like you said, I'm I'm not gonna sweat it. it yeah, I already know what I want. I made my decision. Maybe I maybe I should sell my Bitcoin. Who knows? <laughs> you guys convinced me. But that doesn't take into account any of my other personal investments through my through my company that I work with or 401k or our company stock plan. I still do that. But I also have another pocket that I uh, put into for real estate. So I'm just specifically talking about money that I plan on using within the next uh, 12 to 18 months for another real estate investment property. That money is in the savings account, but otherwise everything else, whether I, when I'm divert, I, I'm a big fan of diversing your portfolio. So I also do have the standard S&P 500, 401k, company stock match, and so on and so forth. So that's my long-winded answer. Love it. Cool. Boring is fun. Right? <laughs> that, you could have said it better yourself. We'll need to uh, wrap up here, Ben. So fire off last questions and then take her away. No last questions. Any Anything going around the table? Last call? Hmm. I can't think of anything. Perfect. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah, for thanks for having time. us. I think we all yeah. learned something here. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to to hang out with us and talk real estate investing. Yeah, anytime. I mean, the best advice I can give is continue to grow your network, network with like-minded investors. And maybe that person doesn't know what you're, what you're trying to do, but when you connect with them, you can connect with others. Cause I think my, my network just started back in late 2018 when I connected with, with Chris and here we are right now, you know, you never know where it'll lead, lead you to never stop learning the best strategy might be one that you're not even aware of there you go thanks chris <laughs> nice you bet hey ben awesome job for on the podcast today man you'll Thank be up you. for number number eight again next month i can't believe we're on num we're number seven fastly approaching number eight man uh, we'll be double digits for the end of the year oh man we'll have a We'll have a special one for that. <laughs> All right. Jeff, Ryan, Ben, David, thank you guys for coming out. And listeners out there, if you guys have questions, everyone's contact details are in the show notes. Reach out. Their preferred contact method will be in there. Don't be shy. Everyone's here to network, invest, share knowledge. So definitely be proactive uh, and get out there and network with everyone. Have a great one. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. Cheers.